Where, where have we reached now? This is the lie. The lie. This is where the, the drawers all comes to, to bring the hutches out farther up to take it to the hill. Yeah. How far underneath the mountain are we now? We're about a, a half a mile. Yeah. A half a mile. We have about another hundred yards to go to the face. Mm -hmm. And what, what happens here, here then? The, all the coal comes to the, the central point? All then? the coal comes to this point here. Yeah. And from many, many areas? From about uh, nine areas. Nine areas. It's all one coal face, you know, and there's nine areas in it. Yeah. And wh wh what is their function here? They're to uh, bring them out to clip them on the rope. Yeah. Send them out to the hill. And this is where we where we come in from. They go out from here. Yeah. And we saw one 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 chap there going back again. What was he doing? He was he was drawn. He brought two hutches with him. That fellow's greedy. He brought two hutches with him. He, he likes to get it all done together. <laughs> Does that save himself? Why, oh, why wouldn't it? Yes, it'll save him a run. So long as there's not a heavy push on it, he can bring toes. Yeah. Oh, sometimes we have money, boys, and sometimes we have none. But when we've got no money, boys, sure our sweethearts, they're at home. So fill your glasses to the top and let the toast go round. Oh, he's looked. To every minor lad that works down on the road. <laughs> oh, the one that made me forget about going to the mines was that I was working in number eight. They call different tunnels, different numbers, given different names. But I was working in a place and there were billions, not millions, but billions of gallons of water over us. They were born to try and find water over us. They didn't succeed in finding it, but it was only some 30, 40 feet away. No one knows how far away. There was so much water. One of the head men, he was the top man, one of the top men in the mine, went down and showed himself a hero to us. He started busting out coal. And that man is in his coffin today. He was drowned, and he was lucky he didn't drown a hundred men with him. That's one of the things that made a lot of people leave the mines. I had a brother and ten men that was inside him right at the face call, saying the rosary and the water climbing on him, and they had no place to go. You yourself would be one of those people who would be very badly off in 15 years' time. Not too badly off, because I tell you why, the vast majority of the people employed in Arigna are small holders. They're part-time farmers as well as miners, so they're not altogether dependent on the mines. Yeah. Could, could, you, could you exist without the mines? Yes, of course, yeah. I could live very well without doing any work in the mines at all. Then why do you go to the mines? Here, an extra money. That's 
Do you think it's, it's worthwhile because of the, of the work, the type of work it is? It's hard work? It's not hard work. Mining is not hard work by any means. Outside work on building sites and that is a lot rougher and a lot worse and a lot harder. Mining is by no means hard work. When you start at it at 15, 14 or 15 years of age, well, you get immune to it and you don't mind it so much. You were telling me that you had some bit of trouble with your chest. Yes, yeah, a small bit of trouble with my chest, but not that much, though. Coal dust is, is a trouble problem. There's a lot of... Well, Ballingarry was worse than uh, Castle Comer, I think, for the dust. Why was this? Well, the, it's the stone, whatever is in the stone in it. There's more silis or something in the, in the stone mm -hmm. than here. Yeah. And the air peaks are not... The air peaks are... Fumes from the air peaks are terrible. Don't go down in the mines, Daddy. Dreams very often come through. Oh, Daddy, you know it would break my heart if anything happened to you. Just go and tell my dreams to your mates as through as the stars that shine. For something is going to happen tonight. So don't go down in the mine. Coal mining. Perhaps of all the work that mankind engages upon, that of coal mining appeals least both to the imagination and the emotions. We picture the coal miner with safety helmet and a blackened face emerging from the bowels of the earth at the end of another long day risking his health and exposing himself continually to danger. But is there a hint of a smile on his face? If so, then surely it is bravado. Surely he epitomises man's struggle to provide for himself and his family, while endeavouring to preserve his own dignity. Or, despite all the danger, does he feel a strange sense of security down there, hidden away from the world, hidden away even from light? I was the first of our family that started that. Yeah, and where do your family come from, around here? Around well, um, locals. There were farmers and drug labourmen, you know. Do you remember what did your parents think at the time when you, when you went into the mines? I thought it was that I'd be killed stone cold, you know, when I went in. But there was nothing else for us at the time, you know. Here in Ireland, for ecological and humanitarian reasons, we can now be thankful for escaping the worst aspects of the 19th century Industrial Revolution and avoiding the exploitation of workers in the smoke-filled cities and drab mining towns. But there are three areas where coal mining, in a rather small way, has been carried out over the past two centuries. Castle Comer in Kilkenny, Ballingarry in Tipperary, and Arigna on the borders of Roscommon and Leitrim. <laughs> Flynn's Bar Arigna, Friday night. An incongruous duke box, drowned by loud voices and laughter, plays in a corner. Although the miners work on Saturdays, Monday being a free day, there is still a large crowd. At the moment, Arigna is the only coal mine operating in Ireland. Here, 250 men mine a thousand tons of semi-bituminous coal each week. 
70% of this goes directly to the nearby ESP power station. Further, 6,000 tonnes goes to hospitals and schools, and the remainder is sold in the neighbouring counties for domestic use. The bulk of mining here is carried out by Arigna Connerys, owned by the Leyden family. When my grandfather started mining in around 1880, and he acquired some small properties there which he worked and we gradually bought out other properties as the years went by. There was a, a reasonably big company, well by big I mean producing maybe 14-15,000 tonne a year, an English company who operated from the early 18, 1890s on to about 1925 and we bought them out. They went and we bought them out in 1925 or 26. <coughs> and, uh, so you, your family, you own all the shares in the mine at the moment? Oh, you? yes. Mm-hmm. The mines are not shafts as you, as we know them in England. It's got their added tunnels driven straight into the hillside. Mm-hmm. They're fairly level. So it, there's no great danger of, of, of uh, accidents, or, or is there? Well, uh, not from say shaft accidents or from gas or dust explosions but you still have the hazard of falls of roof and sides which is the major one in any mining. The miners pay packet varies from a minimum of 20 pounds to a maximum of around 40 for peace workers. Workers on a fixed rate operate mainly on the surface but the biggest money is earned by those at the coal face. The cutting is done inside in the mine. Yeah. And what's the next one? The next one is shoveling after the the machine cuts it and the miners shovel it out. Into the hutches? You know, out to the road and the drawer filled it into the hutch. Yeah. So that's, that's you have you have the, the cutter number one, then you have the... You have the shoveler. Shoveler. And the, the next after that is the... The next after that is the brusher. What does he do? He brushes in the road into the coal again so that the miner can... How do you mean he brushes? Shovel out the coal. He mean? takes down the straight, he makes height for the hutch to go in. He makes height? He makes height for the, this tram to go in, you see. The miner is then lying on a side in a low place, and when he goes in so far, there has to be height made. Yeah. That's what they call brushing. Yeah. How does the miner, in the face, does he work straight he, down? He lies on a side. All the time? He has only about 18 inches to work in at the, at the maximum, mm-hmm. from that to 16. Yeah. And how long does he spend of his day doing that? Well, eight hours. It's an eight-hour day, 40-hour week. All lying down? Yeah. And what is he on the floor under him? A rock. And if, is it often wet? It is, sometimes. Yeah, and would he not, as I say, I suppose it's well, how they say, he'd catch cold. He'd have protective clothing if it was too wet. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that the hardest job, you think, in mining? Well, it is, but of course the men are used to it and the person order And what about, there was an old man here who passed by, what does he do? He was a stick. Oh, well, he's, he's fixing hutches and keeping the blades pointed for the men that's cutting the coal. Yeah, he'd be on a fixed wage. Yeah. And what, what, what is the retiring age for a miner? Well, there's no, there's no specific, there's no set age. He can work as long as he's fit. Mm-hmm. It is usual for a miner at some stage to tackle most mining jobs at the face. One such person is Pat Gaffney, who has spent a total of 30 years working in Arigna. I started drawing first. I was drawing for about seven years. Drawing coal out from the, the coal face. I started brushing in, brushing the road in. I started shoveling in, 
and I started cutting coal then with a handpick. And I'm back shoveling coal again. Perhaps a greater and more persistent danger to the miner is coal and rock dust, which causes a lung disease called pneumoconiosis, silicosis being its most prevalent form. Many people think that the introduction of air pigs, which in dry conditions blow around a considerable amount of dust, that this greatly increases the risk to the miner. However, the workers on piecework at the coal face seem more concerned about bringing home a good wage packet. However, the extra bonus depends often on what is called miner's luck. Well, miner's luck is, is the way I see it, you know, is if you hit a nice bit of coal, you know, as you go along, you know, the coal seems very, you know, just look along where we're there, you know. Yes. And if you were lucky, it could be that height, you know. And if you were unlucky, it could only be 10 inches, you know. Well, if you were lucky and you have your your air pick, as we call it, mowed out, you know, and sawed out the best way we can, you know. And uh, if it's uh, if it's going well for you, and that you meet a bit of high coal, you know, and the chap below you meets a bit of low coal, well, he's out and you're in, you're laughing at the time being. But the next, uh, next day again, when you get conceited on it, you know, he might hit a high bit and you could be down the low bit, you know. And that's the way it goes, you know, as far as I can see. That's my experience of it now. What do you think, Pat? Would you agree? Same thing. I agree with him. So I agree with the, the day that you get the low, you wouldn't make yeah. that much money. Is that, is that, is that you would make yes. more? The There's ups and downs in high street. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ever afraid of your health or working down the mine with coal Never, dust? never concerned me one bit, you know. I was lucky in that line. Yeah. I drank an odd pint now and again, and maybe that was the yeah. cure. <laughs> yeah, do you think that, that staved off any bad health? Well, you know, it's uh, the best we could. We always made an excuse anyway that it would. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, as far as I'm concerned, it did. Uh, you have a f- bit of a farm yourself. Ah. Many acres? Ah, maybe 12 or 40, maybe 60. I don't know what's in it because I'm, I'm really not a farmer, you know. Yeah. It's only a sideline. Yeah. Do you, do you think, in fact, that uh, the miner working around here is able to save much money? Does it depend on the individual? It depends on the individual. There's some can save it and they put it, um, they get into cattle and they buy land and then, and any of them, they're working all right, you know. Mm-hmm. But the average one is, that's taken the average one. Now they're, they're all right, you know. And you think that they... They have ups and downs. Some of them, they might be in debt for a few weeks and you'll have an old calf to sell or a cow or something like that and it'll straighten you out again, you know, and all that sort of thing. How do you find time to, to work on, on, on your farm, you know, when you're mining during the day? Or? Well, you just take potluck, you know, and if you're... Uh, you'll, um, you'll take the mine first, you know, and if you're able to do a little bit after, you'll do it, you know. Have you, have you have you a family? I have three of a family. Yeah, and have any of them, are they old enough to work in the mines? There's one my son of mine working in the mine. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't ever say to him, don't do it? I told him, but he's making money himself, and mm-hmm. he's along with the boys, and yeah. motorcycles, and the little nose spot, and ah, yeah. one thing or another, that's that. And a miner first, a farmer last, and a small hint of reality. 
But not everyone is a miner. Mike Lochet works a 20-acre farm on Derenavaga Mountain. Why did he leave the mine? I'll tell you why. The wet. The dust. And the dust. The wood. Combination of all three? Yeah. And how long were you making up your mind? How long did you spend there? Well, I say it was eight or nine years in it. But my mind was made, made up for me. I had to leave it. And say in the last year, were you, were you, you know, just hanging on or what no. finally? No, but I, I just decided I'd get out on time. I don't know if that I did or not. Yeah, and what do you think now, eight years later? Are you, are you sorry or glad or what? I'm still not sure. Yeah. Did it mean that you lost money? What it did. I lost money, all right, over it. But I've made health, I'm still content. And what are you working at now? Well, I have a bit of land. Making the grade. But there is no shortage of people to work in the mines. There are very few jobs where a young lad of 16 can earn over £20 a week. Johnny Guihan works underground. I draw coal. What the what? coal face? Mm-hmm. In wagons, out, about 100 yards out the road. They are clipped on to an engine, which pulls them out outside altogether, out from underground. You started when you were 15? Yeah. When did you leave school? I left school when I was 13. I went to the technical school for 12 months. And I left there and went to the mines. Mm-hmm. And I'm and there yet. So, what, how much money do you earn every week? About £25 a week. Yeah, you bring home £25. Yeah. Is there any more of your family working there? My father is in it. He's a foreman in it. Mm-hmm. At night. And you live at home? Yes, I'm at home. Can you save much of that money? None of it. What do you do with it? I spend it and give it to pay off and yeah. So at night, Dad. Do you, how do you spend it? Well, everything. Such as? Well, I have an old bicycle and I have to keep it going. And be uh, dancing and clothes and so on like that. What do you think of the work in the mines? It's not, at times it's not bad. And more times it's hard enough. What's the hardest part? Well, I'd say our job is the hardest. We're all the time running on our feet. Running? Yeah. Well, like after the bogies, in and out the whole day. Is it, is it, uh, is it, would you feel pretty tired in the evening? No, that's when you get used to it. They stay at you, would They get used to it, it's all Sixteen-year-old Johnny Guihan. And what of Patrick Keelty? Once a trainee male nurse, he returned to Arigna to work for a year underground and now works as a surface worker in the mines. He has no illusions about the difficulty of the work. Well, I think that any man that's working underground is right there in his money. Because, uh, they're working about, I suppose, a thousand feet under, maybe more. And they're working, really, I don't think there's any man, unless he's born to it, that he'll work in it. No stranger coming to Origna here would work underground in the mines. As far as I'm concerned, I know people have said, strangers, when they saw it, the mine head, they were afraid to go any further than the picture, as we say. And that's the, the mine head. They wouldn't go any further. 
They were afraid of it. Underground, they were afraid to go underground. And what of the future for Arigna Collieries? How long can the men be assured of a job? Estimates give it a lifespan of but for the 15 years. Mine owner, Michal Leiden. You must realise that you're working with a, a waste in acid every year that you produce. 50,000 tonne of coal is 50,000 tonne less to be mined. And a factory can be thinking in terms of, well, if this product won't sell this year, we'll have another one for next year. Well, we, when we have our coal worked out in 15 to 20 years' time, we have nothing left unless we expand out into some other other very big enterprise. And with the way we have been taxed at present, we really will never have enough of funds. My fears are that, like, as we are the only one left, that the civil servants and the government will write us off and forget us, that we're there at all. I mean, we're only a very small industry in the west of Ireland. And they don't seem to think the west are exists at all except for somewhere to go on a holiday and there's no reason why Arigna shouldn't thrive for the next 20 years given a fair chance by the state In Kenny's Bar in Castle Comer there is an exhibition, a blackthorn stick on which is mounted a small inscription From the Miners to Posterity it is a work of 72-year-old ex-miner Tom Brennan, and beside it, on a small plinth, a lump of Castle Comer, anthracite darkly gleams. Outside the town, a mountainous tip provides a more obvious reminder of the now-closed Castle Comer mines, and the odd straggle of old miners at the street corner, faces pockmarked by falling coal, observe the bustle of a prosperous town, envying, perhaps, the good fortune of the present generation, but still recalling with a certain pride mixed with sorrow, the old times in Castlecomer mines. Now mine is modernised, you know, machinery. But I think there was more technique. The men at that time had more technique because we used powder. You know, you had to be a genius. I saw the old miners and uh, wind the powder in their fingers, you know. And then we got what's called spoolie powder. It was compressed powder, you know. I haven't seen him one of them and uh, to fire down the coal. When you'd have it cleared underneath the yard four foot under, then you had to fire it from the roof. And they'd leave it down in the big... I haven't seen the two ton of coal in the one lump. I was on pneumoconiosis since 1960. Yeah. You, got, you got done up, did you? Oh, God, I to puff away and I'm just a crack. When did that happen? Well, that happens. You get it early in the year and you don't mind, and you don't mind, you know, and it's coming on the whole time. So I got recognised in 1960. How does it affect you? No, the wind. No, no poof. You know, I had to go up a hill. Or, yeah. Does it affect your appetite? Ah, well, sure. Not necessarily. Because mm-hmm. you come to my age, you don't eat much. Were there many accidents in, in the mine in your times? Well, there was, yes. Well, we had not. I say it's very light for the danger for what people went through. Mm-hmm. What was the greatest cause of accidents? 
with negligence. Maybe on my part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you often see you're working on contracts, and it's what you put out so much. That's the way you're paid. I knew people to come home with no money after working hard, being at that patch, couldn't make it. There was no you and then, no one to fight for you, no nothing. And naturally, people will take a chance. I told myself numerous chances. What kind of chance? Things I could shouldn't do. Which, which, give an example, would you? Well, uh, you bore a hole there. Ramadan, you know, with powder, and may miss. Well, uh, all English law was, yeah, don't go back to that the next day, but you'd said nothing, there's no one, and get them cut it out again. You couldn't lose the powder, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. And you'll be able to come home in debt. That's true. How could I, uh, why in debt? Because you want to buy all their stuff from the company. All your powder and things, is it? Yeah. All your tools, all your powder and everything. This was in the olden times, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So in fact that you could work all day, you could you had to buy yourself and if you weren't lucky. I saw I saw my father coming home with no money. To eight or six or eight with. Yeah. After we killed himself working. That's before we organized and got you and yeah. <laughs> So times were pretty bad uh, occasionally then? They were, until, until organisation, yeah. So in that respect, do you know, things got a lot better in that way? They did. We had a man here, Nixie Bourne, a great man. He, he showed us how to get on. What great changes did the union bring? What type of... of, of how, did, how were the regulations changed? Well, uh, we... It was organised that uh, you were in a bad place. You had to be compensated. Then we had a, a fuel scheme. We got coal at a cheap rate. We had a pithead bats. That was, I think, that was the best thing ever we got. The pithead bats. We come home the same as you're coming out of an office. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the you had the bath every every evening. Oh, every yeah. hot bath every evening. You had, Go in the morning to, in your good clothes, you put your clothes into a grand clean locker. Go up to the other place where your working clothes are, and if they're wet, they're dried. There's heat there, and they're dried. Mm -hmm. So that was a great, a great improvement. And that was one of the best, I think, for the home. You can imagine, I, I remember my mother. There was three of my father and my second, another brother. We were working in a place, and we were, it was wet. We were drowned it. My mother up all night trying to dry them old clothes. Yes, it's true. And patch them. That was pretty bad, huh? No, well, that's, that's, that was actual facts. So now you, the coal is finished here. Uh, you know, it will probably never open again, do you think? Never. 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 Do you feel sad about that? No. I do not, because uh, there's so many chances now for youth. What do I mean? No, someone asked me, would I go down the mine again? Well, at that time, I'd have to go. But if I was 14 now, there were other chances. Uh, go to technical school or go to that army school. Or, you know, anyone that had a bit of good snow and a young fellow with a bit of good has a break. We'd nothing. And because you were a minor son, you had to go. 
And the small farmers, see, an old parish, an old clock parish, there was no such thing as a big farmer. Well, uh, they got handy jobs, wine engines, you know, on turf. Mm-hmm. Because they had a sideline, you know. But the miner's son had to go underground. You were a miner's son, there was no hope for you, and you go down. But the small farmers, the miners then had drink all they had, you know, for maybe Christmas, Easter, and all that. To go back, and the small farmers have come with a change of pound. <laughs> I suppose there was more segregation in in our area than there was in Africa. That's true. Oh, they know what they call us, old colours. Lads with an acre land half hungry, with a couple of acres in the cow. The the thought they were better than you. Did they? Oh, jeez, that's her. The Brennan laws never change, you know. Tom Brennan, who started mining in Castlecomer in 1914. At that time, the social division of the community extended even into the churches. Pews occupied by farmers were kept locked, and the order was so rigid that on Sunday in the church, the miner, without looking behind him, would know which farmer was coming up the aisle. Since the closing of the mines a few years ago, Castlecomer has fared well. A number of factories were established which swallowed up the majority of the mine workers, except, of course, those suffering from silicosis. And for people like Edward Brennan, who had worked both in Ballingarry and Castlecomer, for him the prospects are pretty poor. I have been idle since, uh, signing uh, on the dole, since we call it here. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Oh, I don't feel so well about it. And there's a few factories around, but, of course, at my age... They don't take in very many at my age, you know. Edward Brennan's plight may well be repeated in nearby Ballingarry. Here, in recent weeks, the mines have closed down, and while the mines are on offer to prospective buyers, the miners can only hope and wait. The blame for the recent closure varies from allegations of poor management to poor productivity. Doing too much too quickly was another comment. However, there is no doubting the adverse effect closure would have on the surrounding area. Oh, it is going to be a terrible blow. It, it, it isn't um, alone the miner that's going to suffer at all here. The um, shopkeepers, everything that's, that's in it is going to suffer. Pubs, shopkeepers, anything that, at all that they can talk about. It isn't alone. There are 150 spoke of that's going to lose their jobs. But it isn't 150 at all that's going to be in it. it, it it'll uh, run into 1,000 probably. Do you know, between the four or five parishes that's going to suffer throughout this place, all together, shopkeepers, butchers, anything that they can name is, is going to be in, in, in total at the present time, definitely. Most of the miners then have, have no... They have no fallback and anything else, any other work? No, there's, there's nothing that they can... <laughs> there's nothing that they can fall back on, definitely, at the, at the present time. Because most of them have gone in, we say they're, they're in a 30 years, most of them. 20 to 30 years. They know nothing else. And even if they did, they're nothing else at the present time, yeah, unless you have a trade, and there's nothing else after that. Um, None, none of them have a trade and they're too far gone to learn a trade and that's about the size of it. 
Nin lonesome away from the hovel and all the lamp house and clock house, each if you must call. They're nothing so lonesome, so sad or so drear, to see all the machinery all out of gear. There's a dog in the lamp house for the pump man he waits. He knows so enough that shift and he's gone half past eight. He go out the yard and he go for a stroll. No place for a dog in the pit should no coal. This parody, composed by local man Dick Britton, is not about the present crisis. It commemorates a strike some years ago. The miners' tradition here, as indeed in every other part of the world, is steeped in stories of struggles with the pit owners for better conditions and better wages. When someone, recalling old times, told me the deeds of a miner well known for his strength, I remarked that the story was very similar to the ballad of Big John. Rather bitterly, he retorted, Big John wouldn't work in Ballingarry. Unlike Arigna, the miners here have no small holdings of their own. If the mines remain closed, they have very little prospects, especially those who have reached middle age. Mining has been going on here also for about 200 years, and here also the pattern is repeated. Most of the miners begin work at 15 or 16, although the composer of the parody, Dick Britton, is an exception. Uh, what age were you yourself when you, when you joined? When I went in the mine? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I suppose I was... I was 40 years, I suppose, I was. I was at farmers up to that. Mm-hmm. Did you find the work very, very hard or very different when you joined it? 30 was rather an older age than most miners I've met. Most of them started 15 or 16. Oh, I found it strange altogether from farm life, sure. I had to get used to it, and I got used to it. And I got to like it too, mind you. Not civil, not escapes in it. I had about two minutes to live one night in it. How did this happen? So the big flag came down, or the roof down across my chest, and... The fellow who was me was trying to lift it off with a grow bar, and every time he go lift it off, dead you'd break off of the flag, and it farther down to come. So did a, a fireman come in then, and his name was Dick Maher, he was over the shift, and he told the man to lift the flag, and your man lifted it only a little block under, and I hopped out from under it. Were you injured? No, we would give a few days oil, and that was all. Mm-hmm. What, what work did you spend most of your time at? What type of work? Oh, collaring, bringing out the coal, bringing out the coal, rooting the coal with air pick. How long did you work with the air pick? I worked uh, up to the time I left with it, sure. Mm-hmm. But we worked hand picks. When we went in the first one, the hand pick was in it. Which you think, yes, the hand picks. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people up in Arigna about that. People say, I met one man who was 87 years of age, and he, he said that he thought that the hand pick was much better. What do you think? Oh, it would be a lot better for your health, but of course you wouldn't get out the coal as good as all of it. You'd have less dust from the hand pick, or a lot of dust out of the air pick. And this, of course, was a great hazard, wasn't it? Oh, uh, God, it was, sure. That's what came out of all the lads of the chest, you know. The dust, and the, my time, the, nearly all the reborn was in it. Then the wet, that was dangerous too. Well, then the, well, since I left, they got the wet born in it. There wouldn't be any dust like in it, you know. So each of them had their drawbacks, both the dry and the wet? Oh, the dry was very dangerous, sure. It would go on the lungs. The wet, you wouldn't have any dust from it. 
Mm-hmm. How many how many people do you know would would get do you know the dust in their lungs? Would everybody get it? Nearly everyone. You got if they stay long enough in it, they'll get it. But nowadays, late years, I don't think they would get it with the dry board, the wet board, no. Yeah, how did it affect you yourself? Oh, sure, I have new monocosis. I get weeks in payment after it. And what, how does this affect your own health? What, what actually is it? Is it shorter of breath or oh, what? Shorter of breath, shorter of breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the legacy of all coal miners, is it? Oh, it is. Well, that's the legacy, I'd say. I spoke to a man, in fact, who is 75 today, who has had it, and he, he doesn't, it doesn't have that terrible effect except the shortest of breath, or, or does it? Well, the shortest of breath is the worst. Mm-hmm. Anything you go do, so you only hold a couple of hours at it, maybe two hours. Does it affect your appetite at all? It wouldn't be so bad on appetite, and it makes you inclined to drink beer, you know, and get it cleared out the chest. This is why, in a sense, there is one good reason then, obviously, why, in fact, the miners, they, they miners do drink. They have to drink beer, the miners. It's the only group they have. What, what, what does the, the drink do for Clear them? Clear the chest down along. Clear the chest down along. What were the conditions bad with regard to water? Had you to work with water, lying on water? Whatever you make, you have to lie in it. You see, you go colder and cold there. The coal have to come out no matter what's falling on you. You have to bring it out and make room going along. And you often lay in I water? I often lay for a shift in water. I, I remember one day I seen for, for a, a rubber coat when I'd go into the fair of Calendar where I'd have it for the evening shift. And so it was a pound and a pound of it would be some money then. And I thrown it in the side of the pit that night to, to sew it. Brought it home the morning. And despite all of this, Dick Britton still says that on the whole he liked the work. But another Ballangarry man, Mick Scott, he has bitter memories. He left the mines to go to England, but now worked with a local building systems firm. For him, mining was a harrowing experience. I was up there, lying down in two foot with space, carving your way up, working there under bad conditions. Water dripping down on top of you, water flowing underneath you. It was sometimes as bad as that I felt like crying and going home. It was that bad. But there was nothing else around here. We just uh, worked away there. I was an unexperienced miner. And uh, down there, putting in the timber putting in the timber in there and uh, I had no experience but yet when I went down first day down there I was sent in to do this work with no experience and there were many a man killed there doing what I was doing and why I left the mines was that it was dirty it was a bad job to me I went to England out of it and I wouldn't go back in it. I'd rather die with the hunger before I go back in it. I felt that when you walk down into the mines, you walk down to work, you walk down with all the lads, and when all the lads went in different directions into different tunnels, that you just went with your mate up there to earn your money. And you could be working there and you stop for a rest. 
you had your cigarettes probably someplace where you thought it stayed dry and you went along on your side to try and get them. You got that and you were smoking and at your side this timber props started splitting open. I don't exactly know was it the weight of the roof or was it the pressure underneath coming up because I wasn't an experienced miner and I, after giving a couple of years in it I still didn't know but it is a terrible experience and I'd go hungry before I go into them again the facilities in the mines was that when you went down there it took about three quarters of an hour to get to that place of work when you went down there you look for a dry spot to hang up your lunch bag to keep it dry then you could hope for the best with rats they could come and have your lunch before you get back to it you had to go into work and you had to say, use the same place for tidy purpose as you had for eating and where there's eight men confined in the tunnel sometimes foul air that is what the miners of Battengarry had to put up with while I was in it There's a rat in the pump room for the chef. Now he went, no sign of the chef till gone half past eight. The jiggers are idle, there's no one on coal. No place for a rat in this pit with no coal. And so the love hate relationships of the miner towards the mine continues. No one wants to see the miners out of a job, but if alternative work can be found, very few would bewail their passing. Through the ages, the miner has enriched the human experience by dignifying essential work, which at best could be described as unpleasant. In Arigna, Castlecomer and Ballangarry, humanity and simplicity are two added characteristics. This is the miner's real wealth. These attributes, not coal, are from the miners to posterity. Oh, sometimes we have money buys and sometimes we have none. But when we've got no money buys, sure our sweethearts, they're at home. So fill your glasses to the top and let the toast go round. Oh, he's luck to every minor lad that works down on the ground. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.